Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. The Revs did not do themselves at many favors this week with a 2-1 loss at home to the Philadelphia Union and a 1-1 draw last night on Saturday night uh, in Nashville. The Nashville game was a near disaster as Walker Zimmerman scored off a corner kick in the 74th minute, but Adam Buxa brought New England back level with a beautiful right-footed shot and ultimately picked up a point for the Revs. I'm Greg Johnstone. Joining me today for the first time ever on Revolution Recap, we're very excited to have him. Uh, Alex Dolan of the Bent Musket is here. Alex, how's it going? It's going pretty well. How about you? Oh, I'm I'm hanging in there. Not totally thrilled with the Revs getting one point uh, over the past week, as I said, and only two points in their two games against Nashville, a, a team that I think is a much inferior opponent. But the Revs continuing to uh, struggle in in you know against teams that kind of park the bus and play for the draw. So um, let's go right into it. What was your key takeaway from last night's game? Uh, they still can't unlock the bunker every time a team bunkers they've they've never had a problem um failing to unlock a bunker montreal used to do it they couldn't couldn't break it down then they can't break down nashville either yeah it's they're not a very creative team um and this has been a problem going on for multiple coaches uh you know brad friedel and jay heap certainly had some struggles getting past teams that you know sit back and park the bus and gary smith's nashville i think is the most obvious um, kind of style of play or most obvious team that just wants to sit back, take their point. You can tell Nashville is just kind of be happy to make the playoffs and, and kind of fit into those top 10 seeds. So, you know, they're, they're sitting in seventh and eighth and last night would have done them, you know, a lot of favors. If they had won three points, they would have kind of catapulted themselves into that new England, New York city, FC, New York, Red Bulls kind of cluster in the standings, but instead they, they seem to be satisfied um, with a point overall. We do have a couple of questions uh, that I, I wanted to kind of just mention and kind of touches on that really quickly. Um, how do you feel about Bruce's ability to game plan for opponents and deploy a roster that counters an opponent's strength slash um, uh, points out the Revs' weakness? And, and that kind of, I think, plays to this, you know, the Revs aren't able to break a defense down. Um, do you put any blame on Bruce Arena for his inability to kind of put together a game plan against a team like Nashville? Not really. Um, Bruce's team has been injured most of this year anyways. Uh, he's lost heel for almost all this year, and now Bo's out. Would, the last time they played together was pre-pandemic, so it's, it's very hard to judge how this team is doing um, now with all these injuries. So I, I'm not sure we can really judge that until we see a full team, and I don't know if we'll see that this year, to be honest with you. Yeah, and you know Bruce, he seems kind of frustrated. He's mentioned the injuries in the past. Um, I, I do think that there were some moves he made, like Dewan Jones over Brandon By. Um, you know, I, I think Scott Caldwell over Matt Polster. Um, those, those were kind of more offensive-minded, um, you know, adjustments to the lineup because I, I think they wanted to put the pressure on Nashville, and they they did hold a lot of possession in this game, uh, but just, they they were not just completely crisp. Uh, and they were missing that final pass. I think they had something like 310 successful passes in the first half. Only 35 of them uh, were in the final third. So they, they really were just having issues getting the ball up the field, and it might just be with their personnel right now. So 
um, overall, just another frustrating game for the Revolution and their uh, you know in- inability to uh, score against teams that kind of sit back and wait. Um, you know, it, it continues. It also was something that they brought up. Bruce Arena brought up in the press conference too. I, I should mention, and he said, you know, we knew going into this game that you know if we conceded first, it was going to be very very tough to get a goal back and to, to get a result because that's just what Nashville does. They sit back. Uh, they they play defense and they try to push up on set pieces and score and it seemed like everything was going right for Nashville but the right foot of Adam Buxa saved us last night with a beautiful goal so um, I, I do think when you have guys like uh, obviously Carlos Heel I think when you put him and win on on the pitch at the same time I, I think your passing is going to be a little bit sharper a little bit better uh, a little bit more creative and you know we saw Adam Buxa yesterday with a long range shot I think if you have Gustavo Bo out there also I mean. People have criticized Gustavo Bo's shot selection. Um, ultimately, that's a that's a pretty good thing when you have a team like Nashville who's just sitting back and not letting you get into the box and get into dangerous areas. So, absolutely. I mean, you gotta you gotta shoot to score. So, take a shot, test the keeper. My key takeaway from this Nashville game, well, actually, it's really from this week, but uh, I, I think this was a major, major missed opportunity for the Revs in terms of securing their spot in the top six. If you look at this standings page right now, there are some games going on, so don't don't take everything. Uh, the, the playoffs picture might be a little bit different uh, by the time you're listening to this, but the Revs, through 20 games, have 29 points. Uh, New York City coming in, New York City FC coming in this game had 27 points through 19 games. Red Bulls had 25 points through uh, 19 games. Nashville also with 25 points through through 19 games. Um, so really, if the Red Bulls or Nashville SC gets hot in these last few games, um, there's a chance the Revs drop down to seventh. Um, the Revs do have a game against the Red Bulls. I would say that is an absolute must win. I, I think that would really push them up into that top six securely. But uh, there was a three-minute span last night where Nashville was one point behind the Revolution with a game in hand. It's really kind of showing that the Revs are an average team that plays down to their level of competition. Um, they've got three games left, Red Bulls, DCU, Philadelphia. I think Red Bulls and DCU are must-wins. I think a top-six spot to avoid the playing round is a must for this team. It's There's just not a lot of room for error, and I'm also a little nervous about the Revs. I'm not sure if they've settled on a starting 11. Uh, you know, Carly's healing Gustavo Bo's health is a concern. Um, there are guys like Buxa and Polster and Bai, who whose role I'm not sure what they are right now. So there, there's a lot of questions with three games left, and they're not really games they can mess around in. So time is running out, and I'm starting to get a little bit nervous for this team. Yeah, it, it is a bit concerning that they, they, they're struggling to score at some nights and other nights they have no problem doing it. Uh, Philly, they were just unfortunate. It's one unfortunate bounce that really lost them points on that one. I don't think they were much worse than Philly that night. I was in the stadium. And, uh, I mean, just the own goal is the only thing that was really the difference maker to me in, in that game. They they attacked. They Andre Blake stood on his head like he always does, and they could have had a draw out of that. They probably could have had a win, but Andre Blake is a net for Philly. That's the that's a difference maker, and I I'm not sure the Revs have that on the offensive end. Yeah, and you know when you have a guy like Matt Turner and he does impressive things every night, it takes a lot for you to be impressed by an opposing team's goalkeeper. But it seems like Andre Blake continues to impress uh, game in and game out whenever he goes against the Revolution. If you look at the expected goal differential in that game, I don't have it with me, but I think the Revs were in the twos somewhere, and Philadelphia was in the low ones. Um, that that was a game that if you're going off of expected goals, you know the Revs should be taking three. They end up taking zero. So I, I don't think there's any shame in losing to Philadelphia. They're a really so- 
solid team. It is a bit frustrating, though, because I do think the Revs in Philadelphia have played close four times this year, and I think they've taken one point. It's getting very frustrating. It's a very frustrating matchup, and Philadelphia has the Revs number, but it seems like very barely. Um, I I think this Nashville game, too, concerns me a little bit more just because of what you talked about a little bit beforehand, where, you know, this team, you know, if an opponent goes up one nothing on the Revs in the playoffs, can they sit back and, and just dare the Revs to try to beat them? I mean, if they're solid in the back like Philadelphia, I mean, if you're not breaking down Nashville, you're, you're probably not breaking down Philadelphia. So the Revs did score a late goal in that Philadelphia game, but it took a beautiful shot from Tayon Buchanan. A lot of concerns going into the last few games. A lot of things the Revs need to sort out going into the playoffs. And I'm hoping they can get that bye game so uh, they or, or they can avoid the play-in round. So they can at least advance to the quote-unquote second round of the playoffs. But, man, it, it's getting a little bit nervous. One person that I, I was a little nervous to see him return yesterday, I vouched for him to come back to the field, but it's certainly great to see him back. Uh, Carly's heel makes his return back to the Revs um, less than two weeks after being cleared. The Revs gave him 30 minutes last night. Seemed to be fine. They talked a little bit in the, the post-game press conference that he's not 100%. Carly's heel had a quote that said that his mind saw something that you know his, his legs needed to catch up to a little bit. So um, he's still getting his legs underneath him, but he said he felt very comfortable even with the subpar conditions in Nashville last night. Uh, Were you surprised the Revs gave him so much time last night? Uh, And and do you think that's a little bit too aggressive or do you think that's the approach they need to do to get him sped up for the playoffs? I was surprised they gave him any time. I watched Nashville's game Tuesday and that the surface was very slick, very slippery, and it was not raining that night. This had torrential downpours. We had delays basically for, what, two hours almost? Hour hour 20, just, but it felt like two hours. Yeah, and they and they let him go out there. I probably wouldn't have had him leave the locker room, to be honest with you. I would have wrapped him up in bubble wrap and just left him there for that night. I didn't really think he needed to be out there, but it was nice to see him back out there. Um, it was nice in the end that he left and healthy and nothing ever happened. But it, it was uh, it was worrying the whole time he was out there. I was quite worried. He was all smiles after the game, so you can't complain too too much. Uh, but you know, as I say, I, I advocated on this podcast last week that you have to bring Carlos Hill back. You have to build him back up for the playoffs. And in my mind, uh, last week I was thinking, you know. They'll probably get him five to ten minutes this game just to kind of get him to run around, see what he can do, um, and then kind of build him up. And maybe you can get him a 30-minute 30, 30 or 45-minute uh, kind of game uh, for the first round of the playoffs and keep building up that fitness. Um, it seems like the Revs are trying to get him to 90-minute fitness as soon as humanly possible, which I, I can't complain too much about. He is your best player. Um, but you know, with the Gustavo Bo injury, re-injury just a few weeks ago, uh, I think I have a little bit of PTSD. Uh, and I'm, I'm very concerned. He he got fouled, I think, a few minutes uh, into coming into the game. And um, boy, I was extremely nervous uh, that he was not going to get up. But as I say, all smiles after the game. He should be get, good to go. I expect to see him play uh, Wednesday against the Red Bulls in that must-win game. Um, overall, not totally effective uh, after Carlos Hill came into the game in the 63rd minute. No key passes, 71% accuracy. I think he was 19 for 12, or, or 12 for 19, I should say. Uh, 22 touches. It did seem like at the end of the game, he had a couple of passes that weren't the sharpest. Uh, he was trying to break down the defense. So, again, he'll, he'll get a, a little bit better as time goes on. Um, he kind of admitted that after the game. But overall, I, I, I think it's very encouraging just to see him back out there and to come off the field in good spirits. So uh, one person that also had another game, it seems like this guy is up and down, up and down every time we, we talk about him, Adam Buxa, uh, as, I, as we mentioned, saves the point for the Revs against Nashville. Uh, but 
got the start against Philadelphia earlier in the week. Mostly ineffective. He had four shots, one on target. He had 27 touches uh, in 90 minutes against uh, Philadelphia. Um, overall, Books' hot and cold season continues. He has three goals in the last seven matches, two of those coming off of the bench. Uh, Alex, we gave our level of confidence in Buxa last week. I want to hear how your uh, level in confidence in Buxa is. Where is it? Um, and, and do you think he's more effective as a starter, or do you think he should be moving into the super sub role uh, for the, the, the home stretch of the season? Uh, it's, the level of confidence is growing. I, I mean, it was nice to see him be able to play with the ball at his feet for a while there. Um, we were, the Bent Musket people and I were, uh, were a bit concerned. He was more like Kai Kamara, which is no, no disrespect to Kai Kamara, but very one dimensional, can play the ball in the air, can use his head, but that's about it. And so we were worried to see him couple quick moves turn and shoot like that was very promising to me i think he's been slower to acclimate to this whole major league soccer because how weird 2020 has been he also hasn't had a playmaker like heel on the field with him uh, most of this year so I, I i i don't know how much i can judge some of some of these performances i feel like every performance that every player has had this year is kind of leaving the door open to, well, maybe it's it's how weird this year has been. I don't know if I should judge them on this year. But, I mean, I, I was very impressed with that turn. I was very impressed with his, his hold-up ability, and he's pretty good in the air. So uh, I think he should be starting. I, I really don't see another striker. I think Teal's better on the wing, causing absolute mayhem on that wing with his just hustle. So I, I think... I think he's getting better. I, I just think that it, it's taken a while. Assuming Gustavo Bo comes back, how do you handle the striker situation? Because I think, so, you know, we saw Bruce kind of play Gustavo Bo uh, up top and he was kind of rotating Gustavo Bo and, and Adam Buxa. Um, what do you think should happen if Gustavo Bo returns healthy, which apparently he is? How do you think that's going to be handled? Do you think they're going to try to fit Bo, Heel, and Buxa all on the field at the same time, or, or do you think they'll kind of go by committee and split time between the two of them? Uh, I'm going to assume that they're going to try to put them all on the field at the same time and have Bo as a second striker. I think he's just better at that, where he can have that freedom to not have to play straight back to goal and hold up the ball. I think Books is better at it, and I think that, I mean, you want heel on the field regardless. So I, I think that having Bo as a second striker is probably the way to go. Absolutely, and, and we should get into Gustavo Bo a little bit here. Gustavo Bo unavailable for both games this week. Uh, Bruce Arena was asked by Sam Minton uh, of the Bent Musket last night um, if we could expect Gustavo Bo for the next game against uh, New York Red Bulls and Bruce Arena. Here's what he said. It's possible. He's going to be back soon. He's been handled very delicately. His injury is a minor one. And when he comes back, he'll, uh, he'll be coming back at a hundred percent. Again, avoiding the question of what the injury is. Uh, it does not commit whether or not he's going to be back for Wednesday's game. Uh, as I said last week, this I'm getting Carly's heel vibes from this past March where, you know, we just knew he'll had a 
weird injury and we expected him back soon and they were taking precautions and you know it's certainly not good that the last time we saw Gustavo Bo he came into a game and then came out 20 minutes later um, Revolution Report asks us are you worried about Gustavo Bo? I'll give you the floor on this one because we kind of covered it last week and I, I'm I would say my concern level on a scale of 1 to 10 is around a 6.57 because it just seems very shady to me that we don't know what is wrong with them and we don't have a timeline but um, Alex, uh, do you have a rosier picture in your mind? Do you expect Bo coming back? Um, I, I'm a bit concerned. I'm also thinking that maybe that this does have to do with maybe that his wife is pregnant and they don't want him traveling. It could be all of that combined with an injury. It it, it truly it's it's very hard to judge when when you have something like that in this current state of this world. And I, I could easily see that Bruce is being safe about it. He's always been known to be a player's coach. This wouldn't surprise me one bit. Yeah, I'm not totally sure, you know, what the injury is. I, I think the mystery of it all is, is the most concerning thing. And, you know, the way Bruce says it, where he's going to come back, it seems very certain. And I, you, you'd like to take Bruce Arena for his word. But as I say, I think the Carlos heel injury from this past March is just kind of, as I say, giving me a little bit of concern. And I, I do think that the priority needs to be getting Gustavo Bo ready for the playoffs. Um, so uh, with three games left, I feel like he has to be brought back at some point uh, and, and seeing how competent they are in putting, uh, or sorry, putting Carly's heel out there, putting him out there for 30 minutes uh, on a sloppy field uh, against Nashville in a game that really, if you, you take one point, it, it's not a great result. It's a, it's a pretty bad result, but it's not devastating. Um, to not even have Bo as an option is kind of telling to me that they're willing to uh, push Carly's heel out there and, and they're not even putting Gustavo Bo out there. Um, uh, so I, I, I'm pretty worried. Uh, as I say, it's I think we're kind of at the same spot. And I think everyone, every Revs fan is, is kind of at the same spot because, um, as you say, having Gustavo Bo in a second striker role uh, with Adam Buchs and, and Carly's heel in the field, getting all three of your DPs on the field, we've only seen that once this year and it worked pretty well. So um, I, I think having Gustavo Bo ready for the playoffs is a, a top priority. Um, and, and I'm not sure if we're going to get there. Uh, I think we're going to learn a lot more this week over the next two games because if Gustavo Bo is unavailable for these next two games, I, I don't know if we see him the rest of the, the, the season. It, that would be a pretty telling sign to me that something is very, very wrong because if, if they're not prepping him for the playoffs, it's just a really, really bad sign. Let's get to some listener questions. We have a ton. Um, Fire Fluid Motion asks us, who is going to be the benefactor of Carly's Hills talent with Gustavo Bow out? Uh, I'm going to assume Buxa. Uh, they really haven't had a playmaker other than Lee who came in um, to play Buxa ball at all. Um, they've been swinging in crosses left and right, but we, we're, we're not good at crossing. Um, we, we haven't been good at crossing. Um, and if you don't believe me, we haven't been good at crossing for years. They brought in Kai, and look what Kai did. And Kai's one of the best goal scorers in, in the history of the MLS, and we, we just couldn't get him the ball. So we've struggled to cross um, for years now, and I think that bringing in heel, he can play Buxa through, he, and Buxa clearly getting better with the ball at his feet. I, I think that Buxa would be the one who benefits. I think Teal is the second one who benefits because Teal can stretch the defense with his speed and get onto it and slot the thing home. So I, I think both of them, I I don't really see anyone else super benefiting from Heal. I think everyone kind of benefits from him, but I think those two benefit the most. 
Yeah, when you, you've kind of took my answer here, I think Books of One, Teal Two is the answer. You th- just because I think Books is going to get that service and, and get that confidence too uh, that everyone has been you know talking about. I, I think that we're finally seeing Adam Books at three goals in his last seven games. I mean, that's nothing amazing, um, but you know what? It's goals. It's a much better spot than where he was in the middle of the season. Uh, and I think getting Carly's heel onto the field to uh, swing in some crosses or to, you know, serve up some passes. Um, I, I think that's going to be very, very beneficial for um, Adam Buxa uh, and Teal Bunbury too, but more so because I think once Gustavo Bo comes out, I think Teal Bunbury kind of reverts to a sub um, or, or potentially, you know, a matchup guy or, you know, a spot starters guy. Um, I, I think they're going to try to put all three, DPs out there on the field as many minutes as they can. And I, I think Teal Bunbury is kind of the odd man out in that scenario. Maybe, maybe Tayon Buchanan too can be fit in that category. But um, I think in terms of production-wise, Adam Books is the guy that's going to be uh, benefiting the most from Carly's heel. And if we see Carly's heel out there with Lee Wynn and Adam Books is still not having a lot of production, I, 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 then I'm getting a little, again, raising that level of concern on Adam Books a little bit more. But uh, David Sibillian asks us, Without Gustavo Bo uh, available, how is Adam Buxa on the bench? Um, as I mentioned, Adam Buxa came off the bench in the super sub role. Teal Bunbury got the start at striker. Alex, you, you shocked that Adam Buxa rode the bench at the start of this game? Uh, not really. He, he really hadn't been producing much. Um, it, it was hard to have any confidence in him. I don't think he had much confidence in himself. I think this goal really, really helps. He'd be crazy if it didn't boost his confidence boosted my confidence so I, I think that they they put out teal because they thought his speed would stretch nashville's defense fortunately there wasn't much space in behind nashville's defense because they were sitting on the six yard box the whole time so i i'm not really surprised i'm glad he came in uh it would have been surprising if he didn't come in but wasn't super surprised by it yeah, and, you know, how is Adam Books on the bench? I mean, it's worth reminding people, Teal Bunbury leads this team in goals. Um, Teal Bunbury has six goals in the season, and he's certainly had some very, very bright spots on this team. I think a lot of people kind of sleep on Teal Bunbury or, you know, feel he doesn't produce as much as a striker should, which is kind of fair, but he can play multiple positions, and he, he's been producing this year um, overall, so... Adam Buxa and Teal Bunbury production-wise, Teal, Teal arguably has been more productive as a player this season. So um, I, I think Bruce is rotating players in and out minutes-wise, and I don't think there's any reason why Teal Bunbury should get the shaft and should move to the bench. I, I, I think it's really tough to say Adam Buxa is a clear-cut starter over Teal. Um, and as you say, when you have Teal out there, you can stretch the defense. Um, he, he does a little bit more. Adam Books is a little bit slower. Um, I, I do think he's been getting better as the season goes on, has been gelling with this team a little bit more, but uh, Teal Bunbury in certain situations uh, fits like a glove. So I, I, I can't I can't second-guess Bruce for running Teal out there yesterday. He is very frustrating. Teal is a very frustrating player. I get that, and I know all these fans feel that too. But I, I've, I've figured it out where if Teal gets one, I have this, there's a look that Teal has because I, I as, as a photographer, I'm down there and I, I, I can see their face. Teal gets this look and you, and I've coined the term confident Teal. And if Teal gets some confidence, he gets hot. And we've seen it. We saw that the open cup Red Bull game last year, he megged a guy and then chipped the keeper in OT. I was at that game and I've never seen anything like that. It, there was no reason we should have won that game. We were down a player in OT. And he he does these things where, you know, take a shot and he'll go out for throwing. But he also can have some magical moments. And the hustle on top of that, it's 
it's hard to fight against it. He is frustrating, but he can be good sometimes. He's a great two-way player that can get absolutely hot and can't miss the net in certain spats. Very good summary. When You don't want to face a hot Teal Bunbury, and we talk, have talked a lot about Adam Books' confidence and not getting the same service. I mean, everyone that's complained about Teal Bunbury, you could say the exact same things about Teal Bunbury, that Teal Bunbury's not getting service, and oh, his confidence is low and whatnot. I mean, you could use the exact same you know, formulas and excuses for Teal Bunbury as people have been using for Adam Books this season. So um, again, I, I, I think they're both pretty decent options. I, I don't have any complaints um, overall about putting Teal over Books. And, and Books has scored twice off of the bench. So, I mean, maybe this is more of a comfortable role for him uh, in the kind of striker role when they're pushing up and attacking as opposed to a 90-minute player because I'm not sure Adam Books adds anything really defensively or, or pressure-wise, whereas Teal Bunbury is uh, very good at, at pressing. So... We did have a question about Matt Polster, who made a seven-minute uh, cameo last night coming off the bench. Do you pe- do you think people are sleeping on just how good Matt Polster actually has been for the club since his arrival? I, I'll t- I'll give my kind of two cents on this one because my, my key takeaway last week was Matt Polster was phenomenal in the game against Montreal. I, I think he's been great since coming uh, to the Revs. I I think he's probably the best six on this team. Um, I, I don't think fans are sleeping on how good Matt Polster is, and I have a theory on why Matt Polster is getting limited playing time. I'll, I'll go to you though first, Alex. What are your thoughts on on Matt Polster? Do you think that people are uh, underrating him? I've thought people have underrated this man since he was on Chicago. Chicago had him playing every position in the back. Matt Polster is very good at keeping possession. He's very good at tackling. He, he, he is the bulldog in that midfield. They played Caldwell last night because they knew they were going to have possession. Caldwell is very good at keeping possession and moving the ball. And, and I, not that Polster isn't, but Caldwell, that's something he is very good at. I, I think that Polster was an amazing signing. I was extremely happy when they when they brought him in. And unfortunately, he had that concussion, but he's been, uh, in my mind, I thought he's been phenomenal every single appearance he's had so far. Yeah, I, I there are very few games. I mean, he did get red carded against Philadelphia. Outside of that, I mean, I, I'm struggling to find games where I thought he looked bad. Um, we did get two more questions that we're kind of touching on here. Randy LH asks us, any news on why on Polster and why he's not starting? Is it injury or something else? Uh, he constantly looks more useful out there than Scott Caldwell. And Powder Hungry says, why is Scott Caldwell starting? What does he provide except for bad passes and giveaways? Um, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Scott Caldwell is a possession midfielder. Um, he, he struggled a little bit last night, but I, I think this is a game that, you know, I, I think... Bruce Arena was looking at guys like Scott Caldwell and Dewan Jones uh, for kind of some more offensive-minded players. Um, not to say that Matt Polster isn't you know an effective player at winning the ball and, and pushing counter press, but uh, there weren't going to be many counterattacks in this game. So I, I think against Nashville, that can be the reason why we did not see Scott Caldwell starting. With that said, Matt Polster, I think, has started one of the last four games since coming back from injury. Um, I, I imagine that is due to concussion and, and they're limiting his minutes. I also want to point out, too, that Matt Polster has accumulated four yellow cards since coming to the Revs, and the next one earns him a one-game suspension. So when we see seven minutes of Matt Polster, I wonder if that comes into play, because you certainly don't want Matt Polster suspended for the New York Red Bulls game. You, you probably don't want him suspended any of the games uh, for the remainder of the season with all these points uh, that are that are important. But I, I don't think you want to put Matt Polster out there in a game against Nashville when Scott Caldwell might be the better matchup. And if Polster gets a yellow card, um, you, you, no, you no longer have him against the Red Bulls next Wednesday. So th- that is my take 
on why we did not see Matt Polster last night um, in a starting role. But ultimately, don't you think Matt Polster has the starting gig? I mean, it, it in my mind, Polster should be starting over Scott Caldwell. Would that be a correct assumption or do you disagree? No, that's 100% correct. I think that you're 100% correct there. They could probably take Nashville. They definitely could take D.C. If they don't win against D.C., that's when I'm, that's when I'm worried. But, I mean, I, I don't know if they could take the Red Bulls without Polster in the midfield. That And so by saving him last night, basically, you, you can play him against the Red Bulls and kind of, if need be, slow them down. Um, but I, I think that Polster is your, your starter, no doubt. Last three games here at New York Red Bulls, home against D.C. United at Philadelphia. I, I, my guess, if I'm guessing on how this is going to go, we're going to see Matt Polster start against New York Red Bulls. And if he gets a yellow card, they can they can be without him against D.C. United. I think that's the, the thought process there. Um, they could put me out there against <laughs> D.C. United, and I feel like they, they could probably pull it off. I mean, you're 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 probably going to be at the game anyway next Sunday, right? I am always one of the few in to go in. Just bring your cleats and, and tell them you'll fill in yeah. for Matt Polster, and I, I guarantee you guys could beat. Uh, well, you know what? Actually, I don't want to get into this because if they if if the Revs don't get three points against DC, I, I'm going to yeah, there is some. There I'm going to yeah, cut all this. Yeah, but anyway, anyway, um, yeah, I. I you know, look, Bruce Arena spent allocation money to acquire Matt Polster midseason to take Scott Caldwell's place. Matt Polster hasn't done anything to lose the starting job. Um, at least in my mind, I don't know if Bruce is seeing something different, but I, I can't imagine Bruce Arena Bolster has done anything to move down on the depth chart below Scott Caldwell at this point. So, um, you know, it, it does look weird to not see Matt Polster out there, but I think the, de- the, the combination of the yellow card accumulation, the matchup, and the fact that he's coming off of concussion protocol. And again, Bruce Arena wants everyone healthy for the playoffs. Um, I, I think this was a game that, you know, Matt Polster didn't need to be a part of, and that's why we only saw him for seven minutes. That's a season low for him this season. Um, you know, he, he's in 20 or 30 minutes at the very least for most of these games. Um, so I, I expect to see Matt Polster out there on Wednesday starting, and I, I would be very shocked if we see Scott Caldwell again. Again, not a knock on Scott Caldwell, but just that's a game that I think you, you want Matt Polster out there for. So David Sibillian asked us, uh, speaking of another guy that came off the bench, made an impact, uh, Kakuta Mane with the assist yesterday against um, uh, for on the Adam Buxa goal. Um, he's been very, very impressive in the limited minutes we have seen him. Uh, Dave asks us, uh, Kakuta Mane should be subbed in the second half of every game with five subs, right? I, I think so. I think he's earned a spot as a uh, second half guy that comes in with you know some burner speed that can make an immediate impact. And personally, I think with Christian Pena out, Christian Pena was kind of fitting into that super sub, you know, 60, 65th, 70th minute uh, winger type player. I think Akuta Mane is a perfect fit for what Christian Pena was going to be expected to do. Um, any objections with that, Alex? No, I, I, I think he should 100% be coming in. They, they don't really have quality attacking depth coming off the bench, and I think he is probably one of their better attacking players coming off the bench. So you, you if you're down and need second-half attack, you should probably sub him in. He, he's made an immediate impact, and I know he had some injury that, again, we didn't get full details on, but um, you know Bruce Arena implied that he was working through an injury, and uh, even the game against NYCFC where he was all over the place and he left a little bit early, he was only going to get 45 minutes in that game as well. If Kakuta Mene is not 90 minutes fit, 
Teal, uh, Teon have done very well on the wings. If Carly Seal comes back and he gets up to 90 minutes fit, um, it, it's just going to be another guy kind of in that cluttered midfield. So Kakuta Mene, I think, is a perfect you know 25 to 30 minute sub that can that can make that impact when you need a goal. Dave asks us, uh, going back to the Nashville game and kind of the strategy going into this game, um, are the tons of backward passes the players' fault, or was that a coaching tactic? It seems like the players had no confidence in the teamwork, so they played it safe. Um, Alex, I'll go to you on this one first. What were your thoughts about uh, keeping possession in their half and, and not pushing forward? Do you think that was um, you know, maybe a tactical decision that the Revs were trying not to push forward, or do you think that just speaks to the Revs' inability to break teams down? It's kind of hard to move forward when you got two lines of four people in front of you. So it, I think it was uh, more they just couldn't break them down. It's it's very hard, and Nashville's very good at at keeping their lines very tight, very straight. So they just you're not you're not getting any quick. Oh, I left them all on sides. So I mean, it, it, they they just couldn't couldn't find an opening. They couldn't find a lane to pass through and. It's, it's very hard to break a team down like that. Yeah, uh, only nine shots, two on target for the Revs. Um, they had 539 completed passes, only 110 in the attacking third. I will say they were a lot more effective in the second half. And I will say there were a couple of nice plays that kind of led to chances. Uh, like even in the first half, there was a uh, Tommy McNamara shot where Diego did a bit of a you know one-two with a back heel pass. Uh, and that led to a McNamara shot that just ended up right on the keeper. So it's not something a lot of people will remember a lot of, you know, not, not many people will think back to that moment as a, a nice little one-two play where the Revs created a chance, but it, it was a decent chance. It was just not a great shot. There were a few other plays too, the Alex Bootner cross in the 52nd minute where um, Willis comes out and misses the catch or the punch. And Diego, uh, Charlie Davies said that Diego just wasn't expecting the ball to come to him. And so he didn't have his foot up. I, I, I couldn't tell what exactly happened on that play, but th- there were a few chances where the Revs, especially in the second half, kind of gathered some urgency and pushed up a little bit. I do think Scott Caldwell kind of said after the game, he, he said, you know, um, we play really well when we have some urgency after that goal, uh, and so maybe we need to do that a little bit sooner. So I, I don't know if it's coaching or if it was just not lucky, but just not not a good game by the Revs overall. And, um, you know, I, I think when they face teams like Nashville, they're going to get few chances here and there. It's just a matter of converting those chances. Revs Revolt says Nashville is a solid team, but if we can't beat them, how far can we realistically expect to go in the playoffs? Um, Alex, what, what are your thoughts? Has your thoughts changed at all from last, since last night about how far this team can go in the playoffs if they're disappointing against teams like Nashville? Well, I'm just watching Philly whoop Toronto 5 nothing. So uh, there is a level of concern here. Um, if we can't, beat, uh, we can't beat Nashville and Philly's, Beating Toronto five nothing and Toronto has a has our number it seems too. Uh, I I just don't know how far they can go, and that, that's not even including Columbus who've been out of this world since the restart. I I I didn't I'm not paying attention to scores as they're happening. Yeah, Philadelphia's up five nothing. Wow. I, I I saw it too, and then I turned around. It was five, and I was like, okay, I guess uh yes yikes. Yeah, final. That's crazy. That is an absolute ass whooping of TFC, who is considered uh, arguably the best team. Well, I, I don't think you can argue they're the best team in the Eastern Conference anymore. Uh, oh, they're tied up with Philly, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, in the standings page, but I, I just think head to head. I mean, boy, how can you say TFC is better than Philadelphia after you get drummed? Well, anyway, bad radio. Um, 
how far can the Revs expect to go in the playoffs? You know, it doesn't change my opinion too much because we knew going into this game that the Revs really are better at counterattacking uh, and and beating team and, and using their speed to get in behind the defense. And just teams like Nashville don't do that. Um, you know, I, I not to say that Nashville is a team that I'm scared of, but I really hope we don't meet them in the playoffs because I, I can't think of another team that plays this style of plays crappy one nothing football that they're they're hoping to convert on a set piece um and and you know just kind of sit back and, and not beat you um I, I do think when you have a gustavo bow we alluded to this earlier if you have a gustavo bow if you have adam buxa um it, it might be a little bit better you might have a more of a chance with long range shots um and, and you'll have bow taking your shots instead of tommy mcnamara and diego fagundes but um, yeah, it doesn't change my opinion overall. And, and I think either way, you look at the teams like TFC and, and Philadelphia, and you know, I, I think the Revs are a team that play up to their level of competition, which is great when you're playing tough teams, uh, but it's not great when you play against weaker teams that can kind of sit back against you. So um, I, I still think they have a chance. I think if you have all three healthy DPs, I, I don't know. I, I, it doesn't change my opinion too, too much. Um, Revolution Report asks us the age-old question, Brandon By or Dewan Jones at right back? Alex, who you want it right back? Uh, Brandon By, 100%. Brandon By wins balls in the air, which this team has struggled on set pieces for as long as I can remember. Brandon By wins balls in the air. You want that. Brandon By is very good playing 1v1 defending. He's also pretty good at going forward. His crossing ability, everyone has talked about it. He needs to get better. He's getting better, but there's a lot left to be desired. But Brandon By winning the balls in the air is extremely important for this back line. Yeah, and you mentioned set pieces. Uh, you know, I, I encourage people to look at defensive set pieces and where Brandon By is playing. Uh, I, I mean, he is important to this team. I would say if he was a bit stronger, I mean, he, he might be a good fit at center back if he was a little, little bit less athletic uh, and a little bit stronger. And, and maybe as time goes on, maybe in his later years when he loses, step, loses a step or two, maybe he does push over and, and kind of play center back. But he's really good in the air. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know where he is in the league in terms of aerial duels, but I know he was leading the league in aerial duels for a while. I know they, they mentioned on the broadcast last night they were just gushing about Brandon Bay even though uh, he's been moved to the bench. I'm not, you know, Jawan Jones with three straight starts at right back. Usually that is a sign that Bruce Arena prefers one player over another. And I'm not going to speak ill about Dewan Jones because I think his speed is incredible. I, I, and, and you can't really complain about you know, his defense too much because when a guy gets in behind him, he recovers and he makes the play. Uh, but Brandon Bay is just a very solid defensive right back. He, he was on MLS soccer this week for being one of the most underrated players in the league. Um, we've talked about it in and out about how good he is defensively. And I think getting into the playoffs, if you're facing Philadelphia or TFC, you're running out Brandon Bay and not Dewan Jones. If you're facing DC United or Nashville, uh, at home and you're expecting an offensive game, maybe you put DeWan Jones out there at right back. I'm not going to really complain about either guy, but uh, Brandon Bay is the answer to this question. And I'm, I, you know, I, I, you just can't convince me otherwise. Did another, another question from Revolution Report. Uh, what is the best 11 right now for the Rebs? Um, and for these purposes, let's assume all three designated players are healthy. Alex, give me your ideal uh, starting 11. Well, you got Turner and Ned, obviously. There's, there's, I mean, Shocker. That's a shoe-in. Probably Bootner, Kessler, Farrell, and Bai in the back. Polster with, I I guess, Lee and Heal and Teal. And I, I guess Bowen Books up the top, too. So you play like a 4-1-3-2? Yeah, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, 
formation wise, I'm I'm not sure how it would work, but if if I'm putting the most talented players out there, I'm, those are the ones I'd I'd want out there. Yeah, and it also depends on who you're matching up against too. Yeah, I, 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 there are a lot of little nuances to this whole question. Yeah, it, it's it's a tough question because you're gonna field a different lineup for different different teams um but yeah something like that i might put depending i mean lee win i think at this point is 90 minutes fit he's played 90 minutes the last two games uh, and he's been been pretty effective overall so yeah I, I think maybe i would put buxa maybe kind of put Bo as a starter and buxa on the bench and bring in buxa off the bench and maybe put tommy mcnamara into a 4-2-3-1 uh, but for the most part our lineups are similar um it, it is a bit tough to kind of figure out you know and obviously the injuries play into this too but um, you know, if you're looking at your best players on the field, um, I think you need to figure out a way to get Lee, Carlesio, Gustavo Bo, and Adam Buxa all on the field at the same time. And that's going to be a really, really tough ask uh, going into the, the end of the season. So we did get one more question here from Sandra Lawson. Not really a reaction to the game, but uh, thinking about next year when Luis Caicedo returns, we'll have Polster, Scott Caldwell, Tommy McNamara, Kellen Rowe, Diego Fagundes all competing for time in the midfield. Who is your six? Who is your eight? And who is gone? Alex, I want to feel this one first, and then I'll kick it to you for additional thoughts. Is that okay? Because I got a lot to say on this one. Absolutely. Okay, so so first off, I think this is a position that needs improvement. So, you know, we look at that depth, but really, uh, you know, you still want a starter over those that pairing. I think you want Polster as your six, and you want to pair him with a really, really solid eight. And I'm not sure if any of those other four guys meet that level. I think Polster is 100% staying. You know, they, they spent allocation money on him. Um, I also think Scott Caldwell is staying. Reportedly, he is under contract next season as part of his extension that he signed last year uh, at the end of the Brad Friedel era. The other thing, too, about Scott Caldwell, I've said this on this podcast before, I'll say it again. He's on the supplemental roster, which means his salary does not count against the cap. So he's a free player. So even the people, if you hate Scott Caldwell with a burning passion and you think he's garbage, well, he's, he doesn't cost you anything against the salary cap. He's a free player. So it doesn't make sense to trade him because he wouldn't be on the supplemental roster for another team because he's a homegrown player. So he has more value to the Revs than any other team. So he really has no trade value, or at least not the value that the Revs would want in response. He's got a guaranteed contract reportedly. So Scott Caldwell staying, even if it's just as a depth beast, Scott Caldwell is going to be here. Uh, Diego Fagundes is gone. Reportedly, he's a free agent. Uh, I have not heard anything about a contract extension. Uh, I, I think it's best for both parties if he moves on. I think he needs a fresh start somewhere else. He's looked pretty good kind of towards the end of the season. Um, he, he's kind of built up his stock a little bit, but I'm not sure if he has a role on this team at this point with the depth at wingers and forward. Luis Caicedo is a tough call. Uh, I mean, he's got a lot of promise. He's also still very young. Uh, salary as a three of, of 300000 as of last year. Holds an international spot. Um, I, I, I think they keep him. There is a lot of depth at that sixth position with Polster, Caicedo, and, and Scott Caldwell. Uh, but if he has an option, I, I think they're picking it up maybe if he has a market outside of the United States and someone is coming in and, and willing to, you know, put a really nice transfer offer in on Luis Caicedo, maybe he is someone that is on in the transfer window for the Revs, or maybe he's trade bait for the Revs, um, if they can make a pretty solid profit off of him. Because um, he has a lot of potential, and I'm not sure if he has a path to a lot of minutes next season, but obviously with his injury, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get maximum value for him. So um, he's a pretty big maybe. And then 
Kellen Rowe and McNamara's contract, no idea on either of those. I think one of them is staying, one of them is going. It might depend on the contract. I, I think Bruce kind of likes both of them for both reasons. They're both they're, for the same reasons. They're both very versatile. Um, so in conclusion, Polster, Caicedo, I think are your sixes. Um, one of Rowe, McNamara as the eight. I think they bring in someone to kind of start over Rowe or McNamara as that eight. Uh, and I think Scott Caldwell is going to be there for depth to eight minutes and to kind of play against teams like Nashville when you need a possession midfielder. So, Alex, what did I get wrong? I think you actually got it right there. Um, Scotty Caldwell, everyone loves him. That 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 roster, that locker room, they love him. Fans fans might not like him so much, but he is he's a big locker room guy in that locker room. I, I think that Caicedo holding an international spot is. Uh, bit of a uh, mystery there because it, it might be good to deal them and see if they could upgrade at that spot. But I mean, with the injury, it's very hard to tell. And then Rowan, Tommy Mack, if we knew the contract uh, details there, we could figure it out. I, I'm tempted to say that it might be Rowe. Bruce seems to really like Rowe. Brought him into the national team. He brought him back after that decently ugly breakup they they had in New England. Um, And he seems to be enjoying himself here. Uh, Tommy Mack is an amazing depth piece. MLS legend depth piece. But I I just don't know. I'm not sure if he's back next year, if the contract even has that. So it'll be interesting to see. But I, I don't think uh, I don't think you got any wrong there. It's it's tough to know exactly where these players stand with Bruce because he's been rotating his lineup a lot more recently. Normally Bruce has a lineup and he goes week to week with it, and you can kind of tell he's been rotating a little bit more based on the two games a week um, and, and some of the matchups a little bit. But um, yeah, Rowan Ro McNamara, I think keeping both of them. I just don't think you have enough minutes to go around because, as I say, I, you're going to bring in someone, or at least in my mind, you're going to bring in an eight. I think you need someone to kind of fill that role because, you know, Rowan McNamara are great, you know, depth pieces or utility guys to come in and, and fit a role here and there. But, you know, do I feel great about a Polster McNamara or Polster Row midfield going into 2021? Not not really, not particularly. So um, they don't have another designated player spot, uh, you know, but I, I think, you know, especially if they let go of Luis Caicedo, um, you know, if they let go of Pania, they let go of Mancien, that those are two other international spots. So they potentially could have three international spots opening up if they let go of Luis Caicedo. Um, I, I still lean that they keep him. I, I think he's too young and he's too good to just let go of. Um, but it could be a possibly a situation of a guy being held over from the last era uh, that just doesn't fit in. Uh, and, and as I say, if you have Matt Polster and Scott Caldwell, how many minutes do you have with um, Luis Caicedo. So maybe, maybe they don't want to go uh, too, too heavy at that position. I'm I'm not totally sure, but um, yeah, Roe McNamara and, and Caicedo are three big toss-ups, but I, I would say Fagundes is definitely gone. Polster and Caldwell are definitely saying, and I, I think we're definitely getting uh, some reinforcements at that position. I, I think the biggest acquisition of the offseason uh, is going to be a central midfielder to play that eight role alongside Matt Polster. So that does it for uh, Twitter questions. Alex, do you have any closing thoughts uh, before we wrap up here today? Uh, no, they better they better finish against DC. Um, if not, that's that's when we worry. Um, I think New York Red Bull is a winnable game. I, I don't think they're 
their attack is very dangerous, to be honest with you. And honestly, I could see six points out of these next two games. If they lose against Red Bulls, are you, I mean, slamming the panic button? Where are you with that? Because even if they end up as a top six team, I think going into Red Bulls, if you lose 2 nothing, that says a lot about this team, does it not? Yeah, absolutely. If you lose to Red Bull 2 uh, nothing, I mean, that is, that is some panic. If Red Bull can even muster two goals, I think that's uh, that's, that's concern. Matt Turner, uh, that's right. I, I don't think yeah, there's any well, issue there. That and I think Tom Barlow is their striker from Red Bull 2. I'm not really sure. They've been saved a couple times these past few weeks by a 16-year-old wonder strike. So... Uh, I'm not sure they can muster much offense here. That's true. I forgot about Caden Clark. He's come out of nowhere. That's uh, boy, Minnesota dropped the ball on that one. That's what you get for not having an academy. But um, uh, real quick, just reading off the scores, NYCFC beat Montreal three to one. The MLS soccer standings page has not been updated, but by my math, New York city FC has passed the revs. So they're in fifth place with 30 points. And then Red Bulls tied with Chicago so that would make a loss against Red Bulls even worse if they're tying Chicago. Uh, but they're at 26 points through 20 games. So the Revs are still three points up on them. Um, they're up four points on Nashville, but Nashville has a game in hand. So um, Revs in the driver's seat in terms of top six spot. And I, I think you, you need a win against Red Bulls um, to kind of really finish the job. A, a tie is fine as long as you win the DC United game. But boy, I really hope they take care of business Wednesday. So. Before we go, I, I want to just kind of give a quick um, shout out to Daryl Grove uh, of the Total Soccer Show. Uh, some of you may have heard he had passed away on Friday. Uh, he had been fighting liver cancer since 2019. Um, for those that you don't know, he Total Soccer Show is a very popular podcast in the American soccer community. And I was a big fan going back to, I think 2013 is when I started listening. I never met him, so I don't have any stories. Um, but I have been listening to that show for a long time. And I don't think I would be doing this podcast if it was not for the Total Soccer Show. And I don't think I would be as big a soccer fan uh, as I am today if it was not for Taylor Rockwell and Daryl Grove. So just wanted to kind of have a moment of appreciation for Daryl Grove uh, and say, may he rest in peace. Um, Just uh, very upset about that news and uh, just wanted to give a tip of the cap before we closed out today. So, uh, Alex, where can people find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at J A Dolan D O L A N eleven. Uh, that's Twitter and Instagram. If you want to follow me there, um, you can see some photos of the Revs game. I'm always there. Other than that, the Bent Musket website. You can go there. We're always posting stuff. I think we had a recap from last night, and we might even have our Revs two recap. Tonight, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, Revs 2 closing out their season tonight against someone that I don't know because I'm not watching the game. But they missed the playoffs, unfortunately. Forward Madison. Forward Madison. Oh, yeah, that's the... Uh, the only kn- reason I know that is I love that logo. I was going to say, like, the most popular USL League One team, uh, <laughs> at least on Twitter. So, yeah, check out Bent Musket uh, and, and check out all of Alex's work there. And as I say, I think a lot of our listeners are going to be extremely jealous because you're one of the few people that gets to go to Revs games these days, so... <laughs> Uh, you hold that distinction too. So uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Revolution Recap, and you can also follow our Facebook page, uh, the Revolution Recap uh, Facebook page. Please also uh, leave us a review. 
a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Still waiting to get to that 50 uh, review mark threshold. So please uh, help us get there over the hump and we'll put out a bonus episode sometime, uh, bonus episode sometime uh, in the near future. Revs play this week Wednesday at New York Red Bulls uh, and also next Sunday against DC United. I'm not sure uh, what our schedule is next weekend. Um, Sunday night games are pretty tough because we can't really do an immediate uh, reaction game. It's a little too late for us. Uh, we're old men. It's past our bedtime. So we might be back next week. We might have a podcast for just recapping the Red Bulls game. We might be doing both games. I'm not sure. Uh, follow us on Twitter and make sure uh, you are up to date on our schedule when we decide later on in the week. But until then, thank you everyone for listening and go Revs.